We are preaching ourselves through what we call the Real Life series. Uh, This is the fourth message of this series. And Real Life isn't just a message series. It is, in fact, we are laying out the very heartbeat and the very vision of our church together and the kind of church that we're aiming to build and believe in God for. So we've spent two weeks talking about the redeemed life, R, talking about the reality that as a gospel-centered church, we believe in the power of the gospel to transform lives. And so we started off by talking in terms of, you know, that, that reality that, that, that in the chaoticness of life, of man's sinfulness, God's great mercy has, has flown from his throne and that we are not some kind of byproduct or afterthought of God, but we are God's artistry. And we are here not by accident, but we are here because we are his redeemed people. We are a people that have exchanged, and we call it the beautiful exchange theologically. We have exchanged his righteousness for our unrighteousness. He was made sin so that we can now be made righteous. And so wherever we are in our life of our church, one of the aims is to keep proclaiming that goodness. And in fact, running Alpha with over 75 people booked in on Alpha (coughs) these last three weeks has been amazing to see lives being transformed and changed. And that's really what it's got to be about, isn't it? That sense of, of that, that knowledge of redemption. The understanding that, that we have, that our old record has been replaced by his record. That he took our place on the cross and we receive what, what also is a theological term. We receive the gift of righteousness that comes into our lives and changes us and we're forgiven. Glorious stuff, which is the life of the church. And when the church loses a sense of the power of the gospel to transform lives, we are in trouble. We become weak liberals or we become people who are destined to kind of struggle to work our way to God's grace and God's love. And we just can't do that. And of course, uh, we talked about the empowered life. And the reality that, that, it's, that we are adopted children who are no longer slaves to sin. In other words, the way we think about ourselves often is not, of course, the way that God thinks about us. And the mistake that we make is we elevate our thinking and opinion of ourselves above what God thinks of you. You are not an orphan, you're a child of God. You are chosen before the foundation of the world and you are loved. And therefore, we have a new identity. We have a life. We are a people that are empowered, not because of our efforts and work, but we're empowered because of what he did and because of what he has made us to be. And that's the redeemed life. And we really want to... Uh, understand that. And the empowered life is understanding that, that we are on, on that journey and are being changed and being empowered and understanding the work of the Holy Spirit. So what we want to do is move on and continue to talk about the empowered life and start off with this uh, 
marvelous piece of scripture. And so Colossians 3 and uh, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covenantness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. What we really want to talk about from that amazing text is, is, is that he wants to transform our lives. So having talked about a theology, really, of uh, uh, redemption, and there's nothing we can do to earn redemption, it is a gift of God and of grace uh, that comes from him. And we've talked about justification, our position in Christ, that we are justified, and the freedom that that gives within our lives, we're going to move on now to really start to talk about a, a beautiful word, which is sanctification. And sanctification is he wants to transform each of our lives. So the, this is where it starts that we have to do some work. Because actually, when we look at redemption, there's nothing I can do. Christ did it. Christ purchased it. He purchased my salvation. We know that. We understand it. When we think of, of the whole area of, of being um, chosen by God and adopted by him, again, there's nothing we can do. It is a, a beautiful, divine thing that we are God's chosen children and that he has called us and, and blessed us. But here with, with justification and the Puritans, if I can quote the Puritans, called it moral renewal. Now, what do they mean by that? They meant that, that when something happens within your life, it, it means that you are being, there's this process of, of, of dealing with your sin, being renewed and changing in your moral standing and the way that you are. Moral renewal. Now, this is where it gets hard. Because when you want to step into the work of empowered sanctification, in other words, the character that you are you are not happy with in Christ and you know you need to make some changes, then that takes some hard work and it takes your participation with God to allow the work of God to come into your life and start to transform who you are inside, okay? That's the process. And yet many of us can, can get caught up by not being involved in that process, 
What happens is, is that we don't realize that we have to be transformed from the inside out. It talks about a list, a shopping list. You think I've come to church and the pastor's going to preach on sexual immorality. He's going to preach on lust, good. He's going to preach on, on, on anger and malice. He's going to preach on, oh, lying to one another. He's, he's really, Phil's going to give it this weekend, you know. Oh, good, good he's back. Um, but, but I tell you what. Yes, I'm going to preach about those things, but what I want to say to you, if you want to see the work of sanctification and change within your inner person, it takes you to decide to do some work. So I know this. I know this from my own life. I know this from my own, I am my own life. I, I, I know there's a certain hill where I, I, have, I go to train. And what I do, I stand at the bottom of the hill and I start running up the hill. When I started training at this hill, I could only—I started running. I could only get about, you know, three meters, and and I run up this hill, and I'm, I get to the top, and and I'm absolutely—I don't get—I didn't get to the top for weeks. I kind of got halfway and fell over, and then I'd get back again, and I'd run again, and I'd keep running, and and but months later, I could run up that hill. And I started to notice that my, my body was changing. My weight was changing. I was becoming fit, which is, a, I know, a strange concept. And, and I was becoming fit all of a sudden because I knew what I had to do to put myself right to achieve the goals that I needed to achieve. And actually, spiritually, in sanctification, we have to engage in a process where we need to realize what is wrong with our lives and be willing to change it and be transformed into the person that Christ wants us to be. So, so what is this process? Well, it's, it engages something. Um, and the framework, and let me explain to you the framework. It engages us in, in a process of two things, of renouncing and embracing. Think about those two words. There are things in my character that God needs to change. And therefore, there are things that I need to renounce that is wrong. And there are things that I need to embrace that are right. And this whole passage, as we move on and look at that shopping list and, and we look at that whole, whole journey, we, we see that there are clearly things that I need to renounce in my life. There are things that I need to, to get rid of. So I look at this, I go, okay then, the framework starts that if I've got an anger problem, what I need to learn is that this is not pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not pleasing to people around me. It certainly doesn't help the family. Therefore, I have to be clear to say, I renounce anger and I embrace peace. Right? I renounce lust, I embrace peace. Purity and fidelity. I renounce foul language and I embrace blessing people. I renounce 
the work of malice and mean thinking and, 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 and hurting people. And I embrace the culture of honor and encouragement. You see what I mean? Sanctification works with us on our knees saying, I renounce this area of my life because it's unacceptable for a Christian. Why is it unacceptable for a Christian? Because the scripture tells me that I have been given a new mind in Christ Jesus. Therefore, it starts with this idea of renouncing and embracing. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. See, there's a a change of mindset here. What it's actually saying is, my mind has to change from setting my mind on things of earth, and I have to set my mind on things above. The scripture goes on to talk about things above. It talks about, of course, about compassion, kindness, humility, and love, and hope, and peace. Those are the things that are above. I have found... That when I operate in the things below, like anger and, and malice and foul language and lustful thoughts and, and attitudes that are divisive and hurtful, when I operate at that, I find no peace within that. But when I operate in compassion and kindness and God's grace and love and humility, I am, I'm not going low, I'm going high. And God calls us as believers to stop right where we are and we set our mind and fix and focus our brain on what is above is what this is teaching us. In other words, don't focus on what is wrong, focus on what is above Seek heaven, think heaven. Start to understand that you focus on the things that are above. And as you understand on that, it's going to transform your life. You see, where you fix your gaze is where you're going to travel. Just ask a Formula One racing driver that. You know, they're traveling at 185 miles an hour. Uh, Last night I said 240 miles an hour. I meant kilometers, of course, uh, but I was corrected by the love of people in the foyer. And... But, but traveling at, you know, if you're Jensen Button or you're a great Formula One racer, that actually is very simple. Traveling at 185 miles an hour, where you focus and where you look is where you go. And it's same with the kingdom of God. When you focus on the things above and you seek heaven and think of heaven, then that's where you are traveling and that's where you're going. And this is sanctification. We set our bar high and we become people of compassion, kindness, humility, love, grace. We become people of love. We say that we are not willing to give in to the desires of this world. And I set my life to become a a person as Christ. Christ would desire that I would be that person. This does not mean that we escape the world. Okay, it doesn't mean that that when he says set your mind above, that you're going to spend all your time just thinking of heaven. 
and that you're going to kind of, you know, uh, your, your responsibilities on earth disappear. That you're going to kind of um, say, oh, darling, I'm not, I'm not going to go to work today because uh, I'm going to wander the streets of heaven in my mind. And I'm going to set my mind on things above. I'm going to wander down the great golden streets. Yeah, but your boss is calling you. Tell him I'm just on a vacation. And, and I'm going to wander around. I'm going to stand by the pearls, the great gates and entrance of the great city of Jerusalem. And then I'm going to have a picnic at lunchtime. Come and join me if you want. Underneath the, the tree of life. And, okay, beautiful imagery. But, but being heaven-focused and seeking heaven's thoughts and minds does not mean that we do not engage in the darkness of this world, but we engage in the darkness of this world as people of the kingdom of God and that we have our minds set on things above. And when everybody's going low, we get in the elevator, we go high because the way that we live, because we have moral renewal, is that we go for love. We go for kindness. We are a different people. We have moved a dress and we have moved to a new location and that location is the kingdom of God. So what does this mean? Well, we battle then, don't we? Have you ever sold a house? I've sold quite a few. And when you leave work and you start to drive home to your new house, you forget that you've moved house. Have you ever done that? Or is it just me? Yeah, I think you're looking at me. It's me, isn't it? Okay. I remember once we had just, uh, we, we had, just had twins. I say we as a kind of joint experience. Thank you, Michelle. Um, and, and I was exhausted. And, um, and I used to go into my little church office and there was a chiropractor's bed. We shared it. I shared it with a chiropractor. I, I don't know. We were... It, we, we needed money in the church. And, and, and so the chiropractor used it in the evening, and, and it was in my office in the day. Well, you know, I'd say to the secretary, I'm just going to go to prayer for a while. And, um, and I'd put my face on the chiropractor bed, because you could put your face through. And I, I confess my sins, I would fall asleep occasionally. I'm sorry, love. I mean, it, I was up all night with the babies. And... And we moved house, and one day I was at a, a meeting in the city, and I started to drive back, and I thought, oh, I'll be so pleased to get home. And I drive, and I drive, and I, I, I pull up on the drive, and I look at the house, and I'm thinking, who are those people that are looking out the window? <laughs> they look vaguely familiar. And I can see that they're looking at me on the drive going... What's that strange guy we bought the house off doing on the drive? It was like that very embarrassing moment. I'm just glad I didn't get out of the car and try and open the door before the SWAT team arrived. And, and I, I realized, you know, easy mistake. <laughs> we all do it. That, that when we're so used to going one way, to get home and we change addresses, sometimes we get off the intersection and we go the wrong way we shouldn't be going. And sanctification is learning 
to get off on the right intersection, to go to the right place, when for years we've traveled to the wrong place. You see, you often get off the intersection of addiction or the intersection of anger or the addiction or the intersection of, of, of resentment or bitterness. But, but a, a life that is, that is sanctified is a life that is on a different highway. It goes to a different location. We pull up in the kingdom of God and we say, listen, I used to turn off that way when these things happen. Now I turn off in a different way. How are you really doing with sanctification? How are you doing with this journey that you have been raised with Christ? What is the key then? Well, the key really is set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Yes, we've explained that. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The answer is death. Death. You have to die. This is what Paul's saying. You have to die to the old attitudes and you have to live to the new attitudes. You have to die to the old roots and put some roadblocks up and even demolish some bridges and and bring in and make a difference and make sure that you get big, bold signs in your life that says, I don't go that way anymore. That's my old way. I have died to that route. I go a different way. I am sanctified. I'm working with Jesus and I turn off on the inter state that leads me to all things that are good, that are blessed, compassion, kindness, goodness and hope. That's where I live. I don't live in that other place of death. Well, how do you achieve that in sanctification? Well, you achieve it by deciding that, that, that you are dead. You've split from your old self and now you are discovering your New self. Discovering who you are. Discovering that new self. Discovering the Phil Collins who is new in Christ Jesus. It is glorious. It is glorious to be transformed. It is glorious to live in your new self. It's called new creation. In Christ Jesus, you become a new creation. The problem is, is that we can sit in church for generations and not be new creations and have the same issues that we battle with for decades, but that is not the gospel. The gospel and the work of sanctification is that if I'm unfit in this area, I'm going to put the work in and I'm going to see the transformation. I'm going to renounce this. I'm going to embrace that. I'm going to think of things above and you know what? I'm going to die and split from my old self and I'm going to become a new self. And some of you thought that when you became a a Christian, Jesus would enter your life. He'd do a little bit of renovation. I'm afraid it's more than a little bit of renovation. You know, in the context of Colossians, he's saying, you know, give up your old pagan practices. Give up the way that you used to be. Give up the philosophies of the world and take on the new philosophy of heaven. You see, it's what you are is redemption and now be this person. 
Let me say that again. We've talked about redemption is what you are. Now we're talking what you should be. So what should I be as a believer? What should I be in my life? What kind of language? What kind of thoughts? What kind of personality should I be? I should break from my old life and I should set my mind to be different. Do you look at your house? Your life, that is. Imagine a builder. I do a little bit of... uh, renovation around my house occasionally and I, I, I do a little bit of, you know, work around the house that I love. I did it yesterday. I changed light bulbs. Um, <laughs> it was quite the job. I had to get the ladder out. I had to do this. So I get ready for it and I put, you know, my, my building belt on. I want to feel, you know, my... You feel good when you put that belt on, don't you? And then you put your hammer in it and you put your drill. You walk around the house for a bit and go, I'm going to do some renovation, love. You're looking good, darling. Thank you. Let me just slightly pull down my jeans a bit more. You're looking like a renovator. You're looking good. How you? I've been on the website. I've been to Home Depot. Oh, I've sang the great songs of, of the renovation world. I am ready for renovating. Well, what, what are we renovating? Well, we've got these termites in this wood. What are you going to do with this? It's rotting. Don't you worry, darling. I've got some beautiful laminate. And I'm going to box those termites in. I'm going to pull out my, my nail gun. And I'm going to nail those termites in. And I'm going to make it look fantastic. And I'm going to make it wonderful. And you can watch me, love, if you want. You know that's not going to work, nailing, making your termites in your soul look good because Jesus spoke about whitewashed gravestones. You know what you do with termites that are ripping your life to pieces? You rip the wood out. And this is what he's saying. You've got to die to the old self. You've got to split. It's, this is who you are, but this is now who you should be. You should be alive with God, alive in goodness. And the reason I preach this is because I believe it's possible. Why do I believe it's possible? Because I've experienced it. But then you're in your little house and you hear a rumble coming. Oh, yeah. You wonder, what's this rumble? And you look out the window and coming up your long driveway, it's Jesus. He's driving a big cat. Or if you're English, he's driving a JCB. And he's driving up, and you're looking at this, you think, oh, that's nice, Jesus is coming. You know, he's there with his beard, he's got his long hair. He looks like the typical worker on the roads in British Columbia. Um, He's even wearing plaid. And, And as he's driving up, you notice that he's not just driving a massive cat, but he's He's swinging a wrecking ball. 
because he actually thinks that your house is not very good with the little renovation you're doing. And sanctification is dying to yourself. He's going to wreck your house and he's going to rebuild something magnificent. But often what we're not willing to do is let Jesus wreck our lives. We're not willing to let Jesus come and take away our fabric and our lovely laminate and where we've, we've built because we know there's termites underneath there. But you know what? We've got to rip it out down to the foundations. This is sanctification. And where I used to have this emotion, where Scripture says that I it said, put to death, therefore, whatever belonged to your earthly nature. Get rid of that. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire. Greed, which is idolatry, because these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in, in, in the life you once lived. You used to walk in these days. So now we're learning to, through sanctification, to walk in a different way. So renounce and embrace, set your mind above. Learn to turn off on a different highway that leads you to righteousness and right action and train yourself to be different. And hide yourself in Christ. Because the only way we are ever going to be truly transformed is by making that connection to Christ and to hide ourselves. Now, where is Christ today? I'll tell you where Christ today is. He's on the right-hand side of God the Father in the glory of the great heaven. He is there, seated at the right hand of the Father, and no darkness, no lies, no sin, no work of the enemy. You are connected through a power line to the glory of heaven and he says come on hide yourself in Christ and the more you connect with Christ the more his character comes and the more we drive out that darkness that resides in our hearts this is sanctification and the Baptists call it the way of the cross the Puritans called it the way of moral renewal what are you going to do on this journey. You see, the big lie is this, that you're okay to sin or to live this way as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. Have you heard that? As long as you don't hurt anybody else. You're not hurting anybody else, are you? That's the big lie of the 21st century. Let me tell you something. You may think that you're not hurting somebody else. But let's just take you, that person, and let's put you under a spiritual x-ray and look into your body. And what you discover is that you may not think you're not hurting anybody else, but you are hurting yourself by the sinfulness 
People are hurting themselves in the world. Why? Because when you look into a spiritual x-ray, you see internal bleeding of the heart. You see broken bones of broken relationships and disappointments. You see the wounds of the world because this sinfulness produces nothing but sin and death. But I die to this because it does hurt me when I choose to live this way. It wounds me inside, but I choose to be different. I choose to become a sin eliminator. That when I can see darkness and attitudes, and I see these things that are wrecking my life, and I see these things coming towards me, I choose to target those things, and I choose in Christ's power, in his love, in his blood, to eliminate those attitudes and those things from my life. Sanctification. That process. Come on, Phil. Really? Honestly? You're telling me that, that, that I can become a new creation? Verse 12 says, we haven't got this on the screen, but it says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, we've talked a lot about that, Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Sanctification is taking off the dirty rags of our old life, walking in the new clothing of the kingdom of God. So there are items of clothing that are hanging off you that you need to take off because they belong to the old life. Saying, but really, can I bring to life in Christ compassion? Can I bring to life kindness? Can I bring to life humility? Can I bring to life gentleness? The answer is simple. Absolutely. You can bring to life those things and you can put to death the other things. How do I know this? Because I've done it. Because I've put to death attitudes. I've put to death lust. I've put to death uh, bitterness and unforgiveness. And I've struggled and I've wrestled and I've fought them to the ground with Christ. And I've walked away and I've been so scared to look back in case I haven't seen the victory. But the process of sanctification truly does work. It's not a pipeline, little, little uh, pie in the sky belief of Christianity. The work of sanctification, the re- renewal of the human heart and the change of our character is truly true and can transform our lives. You can put to death these things and you can bring to life these things. Let me give you an example. I've met people that have done the opposite. What do you mean? I've met people that have put to death kindness. And they're the most meanest, horriblest people I've met. I've met people around the world and I've watched people on TV that have put to death compassion and all they're full of is anger and hate. I've read reports of mass murderers. I've read reports of of paedophiles. 
of people involved in the darkest activities of human life, of genocide. And, and this is what the reports, and thousands of these reports, report that when they interview, let's say, somebody that has engaged in the darkest kind of sin, do you know what they say? They say that when they interview them, it's as if something has died within them. What's died in them? Well, compassion and love and forgiveness and grace has died in them. It's as if something has died within them. Now, if something can die within you, you can kill some things within you. I can look at this list, not with terror, but with rejoice, because I can see that I can, I can switch off sexual immorality. I can switch off impurity. I can switch off lust. I can switch off evil desires. I can switch off greed. I can switch off idolatry. It doesn't always feel like a switch, by the way. You know, it's so, you know, I make it sound so easy, don't I? Oh, switch it off. <laughs> you know, smile at me now, okay? Um, be happy. Uh, in my life, it's not so much like a switch. It's like, it's more like a dimmer switch. That I, I, I'm turning down the power of these things and I'm turning up the pure light of the kingdom of God. I'm... I'm uh, if, 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 a, if a serial killer can put to death the goodness of life, then I can put to death the evil of life and I can bring to life all the glorious things of the kingdom of God. That's good news for you. Because that's going to help your marriage, by the way. That's going to help your relationships with others. That's going to help the way you talk to your children. That's going to help the way that you respond because the focus is changing. It's called sanctification. Josiah is my son. He's, he's like the little boy that I always wanted to be. He actually, the other day, did a, a front flip on the ground and landed on his feet. I know. I was too scared to do anything like that. He can go on the trampoline and bounce up and down and do like a hundred flips. I was a big Scaredy cat. Uh, but I look at it, he's amazing. But he's always into challenges. And the funniest challenge that I saw this summer, well, was, was uh, we were at Green Bay camp speaking and, and they had a bungee cord and he tied himself to bungee cord and it's, it's big inflatable and then he stands there and he runs. It's hilarious. So they run, the kids were running and they'd get there and then they'd go... Slow down and down and down and down. And you know what happens next. <laughs> it's brilliant. And they're smashed up at the end, bands up, and he's like, oh, that was great. Can I do it again, Dad? And so he keeps trying. It's who can get the farthest. But every time they run this distance, they're thrown back. And I think for some of us with battles that we face, we, we look at this list and we feel like we're tied and we're running and we do so well and then we fling back. It's quite simple. 
If you want to keep running, you've got to break the cord that is holding you. You've got to break the cord. And confession, forgiveness, deliverance, inner healing, these issues that we explore and set free is really the ancient practices of confession and understanding. And that's why we encourage it, because we don't want to set people a saying to say, believe. I wish people had sat down and taught me this as a teenager, that I can be free, that I can get on my knees, I can be specific, I can target sin, I can eliminate it, I can work on my attitude, I can renounce it and embrace goodness. I can think of things above, that I'm in control, that I live at a new house and I've, 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 I've put a dead end to all the old intersections and now I'm going down a new highway of hope and of freedom. That's sanctification. And as a church, our vision is this. In real life, we preach the gospel so that people get saved, but we encourage people that they're on a lifetime journey of working and moving and changing and achieving things you could never do. You can. I went as a guest of World Vision to run um, the Chicago Marathon. And I was at a banquet and I was listening to Americans talking about wonderful people. I love them. I I got to the board and and the lady said, so, you know, what are you doing? And I said, I'm running the the Chicago Marathon. She goes, oh thinking that it impressed her. She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that a 5K race? And I was like, no. <laughs> Don't you realize it's 26 months? And all the colleagues were laughing. And, and uh, no, it's, a, it's the second biggest marathon in the world. 45,000 people run it. But I remember the first day I decided at 29 that I was going to run. My belt size was probably close to 38 inches. I ran down the road and I was breathing heavily. My throat hurt. My body ached. And I ran back. I'd, I'd gone for three minutes. <laughs> and I sat there. I had some ice cream. And I dreamed of the day when I could run to just the top of the hill by the graveyard. I thought I'd end up there for one day. And then I went another mile. And I dreamed of the day when I could actually jog along and have a conversation. It took me about four months. So unfit. I dreamed of the day when I could run for half an hour without interruption. And I got there. I dreamed of the day when I could run a marathon. It seemed impossible. But I remember passing the finish line, surrounded by people with tears. Four hours and 40 minutes, not a very impressive, but we just collapsed on the ground. Because we never thought we could do it. You've got to get up with the work of sanctification and you've got to run the race. 
Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, 1, you've got to let go of the things that hold you back and you've got to press forward. You've got to go for that. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. What's clinging? Weighing you down. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This church believes that when you find Jesus, you find life to the full. This church believes that you can be transformed for the rest of your life with Jesus. And you can become like him. And we settle for nothing less than pushing, pushing for character first, gifting second. Transformation makes the difference. In Christ alone can I do that. So hide yourself in Christ. Let Jesus come up your drive and decide today, okay, Lord, bring the wrecking ball and rebuild this house of mine. You'll be very pleased with the palace that he builds rather than the old termite log cabin that you're living in at the moment. Maybe. Let's stand. Next week, I'll be talking about empowered life, the life that is filled with the power of the Spirit. Because we talked about sanctification, and when you're sanctified and pured, you move on to being filled with God's Spirit. And so we'll be talking about the filling and how that works in our walk with Christ. Let's pause. The obvious question at this moment is just simply this. Don't be overwhelmed, but is there something the Holy Spirit wants to target in your heart that needs to be eliminated now? There's something you need to put to death. There's something you need to renounce. There's a new course to be navigated. You need to reprogram the sat-nav and head towards the right location instead of the wrong location. You can sign up for Set Free. I'll teach it. Teaching is very similar to this. But you can make a decision now. to do something different. Holy Spirit, we welcome you amongst us as your faithful disciples that the work of sanctification, of hiding ourselves in Christ, of splitting from the old life and embracing the new, we welcome you. We pray, God, that churches may not just Be filled, Lord, with people that believe, but we pray that they may be filled with people that are transformed. That we look back and go, wow, I used to really struggle this way, but I'm free. I'm alive. I'm transformed by Christ. Help us, Lord, to live out this lovely vision in Jesus' name.
break the bungee cords that cling to us and stop us from running the race. Help us to start somewhere in Jesus' name. Amen.